1: This is Beth Center on V the Sports Betting Network.
3: Welcome back into the V Bet Center, our number two of the program. I am Brady Cannon live at the Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas, along with my partner Josh Towers, filling in for James Salinas today due to the severe storms in the Denver, Colorado area. Tough to get any power, any connection with Mr. Salinas. So Mr. Towers filling in admirably and of course a former Major League Baseball player always liked to pick his brain on the bases and the Arizona Diamondbacks have tied it up with the Chicago Cubs, Josh. 4-4 four to four now in the bottom of the ninth inning. The Cubs trying to walk this thing off, but Arizona was down 4-2 to two in the eighth. They added a couple here to tie this one up. Now, all All fours at Wrigley Field. The San Francisco Giants are on the board, no longer being shut out by the San Diego Padres. Two to one right now with the Padres at bat in the top of the ninth inning. Any any thought about you taking San Francisco here with one more at bat to maybe tie this thing up and take it to extras as far as a live wager? Um, I can't, obviously, because I have the Padres as a play. <laughs> oh, that's right. You do. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I, I mean, I have the Giants. This, this would probably be awkward here. You're probably causing yeah. yourself, you're trying to land it in a perfect hole here. Yes, I sir. have the Giants to win the game, but I also have the under. And if the Giants are going to win this game, it's really going to threaten that under, which is at seven. So uh, the best case scenario would be the Giants winning three to two. But... Uh, I'll probably take uh, what looks to be a winning bet on the under here and uh, walk away with uh, losing the juice here between the side and the total. Uh, the Boston Red Sox have broken the 5-5 tie that was between the Red Sox and the Seattle Mariners. Now in the top of the ninth inning, the Mariners at their last at bat, now trailing Boston 6-5. to The Dodgers and the Phillies, we talked about an in-game wagering situation here, Josh, before this game went to first pitch. The Dodgers and the Phillies are tied at one apiece and the Dodgers in the live market are plus one thirty. Whoa, that sounds pretty juicy, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, again, on the road, uh, you and I haven't got to see
3: too too much of how Aaron Nola looks. Um, they just dipped to plus one twenty five, so something's going the Dodgers' way here. Yeah, I'm just
1: I'm just trying to look at the game from the, real quick and uh, tempting. It's just tempting because it's the Los Angeles Dodgers and. and <laughs> And they, like, LAD, L.A.D. They're that good. They I mean, got teams, an out.
3: They got an out. That's why the price changed.
1: Teams above five hundred, six and one. They're eleven and seven on the road. They're fifteen and five at home. Um, winners of six in a row. It's the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, there was a stat the other day, something like their last fifty games are 20, twenty-five and twenty-five. The last hundred games are fifty and fifty. The last two hundred games, they're a hundred and a hundred. Like these are legit stats. Like they're a five hundred team, right? And and they show us. Uh, they show us a lot of positives and then they kind of come backwards a little bit. Uh, I root for this team. I'm a huge Bryce Harper fan. He's a he's us. He's Las Vegas, right? Um, and I like the guy a lot. So I, I root for the Philadelphia Phillies. I like this Cassianos. I really like what they did this year with the team. The additions they made to the bullpen, et cetera. Um, and I want to see the team be successful. But again, like we said, we have to see more consistency at this team. And I'm missing it. Um, It depends on where you're at or if you want to get in, but 130 on the
3: Dodgers is never a bad, it's never a bad play. All right, let's move over to major championship golf, the second major of the golf season. Of course, Scotty Scheffler, the world number one, wins the Masters. He missed the cut here at Southern Hills in the PGA Championship. Mito Pereira is currently your leader at 8-under-par. The Mito Pereira pairing and Will Zala-Torres pairing, the final pairing for your Saturday, currently playing the 17th hole, which is a shorter par 4. Matthew Fitzpatrick is currently in second place after shooting a 67, birdied the final two holes in his round today. He is at 6-under-par. Cameron Young at 5-under-par. Zala-Torres also at 5-under-par, 4-over in his round today, as he was your 36-hole leader at 9-under par. Abraham answer. he is finished for the day. He's at 4-under. Seamus Power at 3-under. Justin Thomas with one hole left to play. He is at 3-under par. Bubba Watson made a run, got it all the way to 6-under, but he's given a few back. He's now playing the 18th hole at 3-under par. Who did you say that was, Bubba? Bubba, yeah, Bubba okay. at three under. How about Stuart Sink? Stuart Sink yeah, he's with been a 71 today, one over par, to put him at two under for the championship. If you look at the odds board here, the live odds for this tournament, Lido you- Pereira is your favorite at two to one. Matthew Fitzpatrick at plus 275. And Will Zalatoris, the third choice at plus 450. What are you thinking? It looks like we're going to have a pretty jam-packed leaderboard yes, for a final round Sunday.
1: Uh, I-, I got a few things on my mind right now. Um... One real quick. What do you, what did your what, tell me about Cameron Young?
3: Young kid. Cam, Cameron Young is a rookie on the PGA Tour yeah. and is obviously an absolute stud. He's had some tremendous finishes this year. I believe he's already had a second place finish. Uh, no wins yet uh, for the young man. Again, a PGA Tour rookie, a lot like Mito Pereira and Will Zalatoris, who came on the scene just a couple of seasons ago. So, no yeah. wins on the PGA Tour for any of those players. No wins on the PGA Tour for Matthew Fitzpatrick as well.
1: Well, I want to talk about him real quick, but do you want to call this race for us?
3: (laughs) There they go. And they're off and running for the Preakness Stakes. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, no... uh, What what, what was the, the... the the Kentucky Derby. Rich Strike, I couldn't even remember his name there for a second. Rich Strike is not in the Preakness, and you and I were talking about this before the show today. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, if you've got a chance to win the Triple Crown, don't you have to try? Now he's committed to say he's going to run in the Belmont. Uh, Early voting was about the second choice. Uh, The favorite is Epicenter. Uh, Happy Jack, of course, was a uh, runner in the Kentucky Derby. Early voting was a horse that I did bet on today right here at Circus sports go. uh he is currently in right, second place go. i got him at 5 to 1 so trying to root him home but it is unfortunate that you know horse racing is a sport that i think needs a lot of help as far as fan interest and especially casual fan interest and when you don't have uh rich strike in it here to possibly complete the Triple Crown, I think that takes a lot of luster off this event. It does take,
1: uh, it, I mean, it really does, because that's what is exciting for for all of us. I, I'm jumping all over the place here. The Philadelphia Phillies, uh, Boehm just hit a home run off White, and that's what I was talking about. Is it a design bullpen day, or are we going to push White as far as we can? Because he hasn't seen the third inning since uh, April 10th, right? So now that I'm starting to push him a little bit, is he past the point where he should be as far as strength, and whatnot. So the Philadelphia Phillies just took a lead, and then there you go, we pulled them. So we did try to push him as much as we could, and that's the difference. If we have that information pre-flop, uh, and it's easy to find out, but if we have that information pre-flop, it gives us a little bit of uh, an advantage on where we think our money should go.
3: Now I whole, believe that is early voting that just won the Preakness. Your guy. man. I think I got a winning here? ticket there, the five horse. You said 30, 29 to one. What'd you go ahead? I got him at five to one. Early voting, indeed. Your unofficial winner right now is he runs the race. Let's go. One minute, 54 seconds uh, for early voting there, again, was about the second or third choice. I Uh, need you
1: to tell me why you bet him again.
3: I need you to give me uh, all the details. Because I got a
1: tip. (laughs) That's where
3: it goes sometimes. Yeah. I uh, mean, if I'm wanting to go golf, I'm going
1: for you for tips, buddy. Exactly.
3: You know, I've said this many times. I handicap NFL football and PGA Tour golf. And for everything else, I try and listen to smart people like yourself for baseball. Yeah, you're really
1: good at football, too, by the way.
3: Thank you. Thank you. But you know, and you're around this industry for long enough, like you and I both have Mm -hmm. been, Um, you you just pick up, you know, kind of handicapping 101 by osmosis. And that was really something that happened to me when I came to Las Vegas 28 years ago. I worked in the MGM Grand Race and book, And Again, like I say, just by osmosis, I learned a lot about horse racing. I got to know jockeys and trainers and this type of thing. But that—that's many moons ago. So it all so started in Vegas for that, us, right? That, that, on, that, on the sports gambling. That's right. That's right. So it, it's been a long time. You know, my um, my. Uh, being involved so cool. with horse racing has been far removed for a couple of decades now. But uh, I still, it's a sport I absolutely love. I did not win a dime on Rich Strike in the Kentucky Derby like a lot of people, but uh, made up for it a little bit there with Early Voting, who is your Preakness winner. We'll see if he competes in the Belmont let Stakes. Me,
1: let me touch on that real quick, too, because I, you, were, you were getting to a very good point. Um, you You have to find, if this is what you do, right, you have to find people that you trust in different sports Mm -hmm. uh, and share tips. And and, and listen, there's way too many sports. There's way too many games and or races and or anything that happens on a daily basis to where we try to act like we can have, we have enough time to study everything and know enough about everything to where we can become an expert on every sport. Uh, We're fooling ourselves. Right. And and we do this to yeah, try I think, to win.
3: You know, there there are people out there that, you know, try and try and specialize or not specialize, but try and master, you know, six, seven different sports. It's too hard and and I opinion. think you absolutely become a jack of all trades, you know, and then the, the rest of the phrase is master of none, right? So correct. I, you know, look at Lou Finicaro, UFC, postseason hockey, NFL college baseball very niche markets if you will okay and and i think that is a a great way to go about handicapping find your groove find your lane and and stick there and don't deviate from it you're obviously a baseball guy you do well in nfl uh so well
1: that's what i wanted to go real quick so uh baseball and ufc are the two where i feel like i have the best um success and it's where I spend a majority of my time mm-hmm. uh, my efforts I, I try not to, to leave those because I enjoy both of them I put a lot of time in on both of them um, for me to act like I'm an expert on the NFL just because everybody knows the NFL is foolish it's not fair at all like I'm I I know but I don't know it like I would the other one so then I go look for guys in other sports when I want to or if I have an opinion I have a question there's something that I saw in golf course I'm gonna go to you something I want to know in NBA we're going to JVT some other people right like like if you create groups like that of friends to where you can do that and not try to overly do it all yourself because we're gonna miss some stuff at times um, you have a chance to be very very successful in this
3: industry Bubba Watson, by the way, misses a short putt there on the 18th hole. That is very costly. Will Zalatoris did birdie the 17th hole, so he is back to just two shots off the lead. Mito Pereira made par at 17. Mito Pereira with the lead at 8-under. Willie Z and Matthew Fitzpatrick, two shots back at six under. Mito Pereira, still your live betting favorite at two to one. Fitzpatrick at three to one. And Zala Torres at plus 350. We'll continue with the Beeson Bet Center in just a moment. Brady Cannon and Josh Towers coming back. Stick with us.
5: Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie'll find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com, or download the app today.
1: This is Beth Center on VSEN, the Sports Betting Network.
3: Are you ready for a fresh start and we mean a real fresh start with lasting change? Take the Zen 10 challenge and switch up the way you've been enjoying nicotine. Available in a variety of tastes and strengths, Zen nicotine pouches deliver smoke-free and spit-free nicotine satisfaction. Try Zen nicotine pouches for 10 days or your money back. Your fresh start is here. Take the Zen 10 challenge today at zen.com/10. That's z y n.com/10. Brady Cannon and Josh Towers here with you at the Circa Resort and Casino, where early voting just won the Preakness, and that cashed a ticket for me. Got a tip from a friend there on early voting. He wins it at 5-1. to one. I did not see the other three horses, the listing here. We'll see if we can get that for you. Uh, the PGA Championship, the final pairing, is on the 18th hole. Will Zalatoris. Did reach the 18th green in regulation, but couldn't quite get it up on the top tier where the pin is. So he's got uh, quite a ways for birdie, probably a good 40 feet uh, to make a three there on that long par four finishing hole. I did not see where Mito Pereira ended up, but it looks like he'll have a lengthy putt for his birdie as well. Mito Pereira, currently your PGA Championship leader at eight under par. Will Zalatoris tied with Matthew Fitzpatrick in second place At six under par, everybody else has finished their round, just Pereira and Will Zalatoris now finishing up on 18. And Matthew Fitzpatrick was a guy that you wanted to talk about. Our colleague, Wes Reynolds, I know after, uh, I believe it was after Friday's round, uh, after 36 holes were complete, he went in on the live market and bet Matthew Fitzpatrick to win this cool. at 25 to 1. And and he was a popular selection, I think, prior to the tournament's start. There were a lot of people, and really there's been a lot of people that have liked Matthew Fitzpatrick in a number of different events for a couple seasons. He's really become an elite player on the world scene in the world of golf. Uh, but he is absolutely in position to not only win for the first time in the United States, but uh, possibly Very win his great. first major championship.
1: There you go. Answered a lot of questions. Um, Why is really the question I have more than anything, right? So <laughs> why did he bet on Matt Fitzpatrick? Why is Matt uh, Fitzpatrick doing so well right now? He's, if I'm not mistaken, he's in second. Yeah. Um, he's at six under. He went minus three today. Great round of golf. 68, 69, 67. Okay, so my question is, and this is a long course. We talked about this. On day one, it was close to 7,500 yards. Oh, right. So par 70. <clears throat> Sorry. Sorry. He was vocal in the past. I don't know if it was last season about, uh, in, in the way I took it, he was sniveling, he was whining. Like, Matt whines about how far these guys hit it and different things, and the Yeah, and that was – like, You remember him doing this, correct?
3: Yeah, he, okay. he is not a bomber, but it was interesting. I heard Wes on uh, Betting Across America before we came on, he said – He's like in the top ten in driving distance this week at this particular tournament, which is really an anomaly for Matthew Fitzpatrick. You know, typically a great short game, great iron player, but lacks a little of the so, power off the tee. But so far, so was he adding some distance here? Apparently, well, it, like
1: because obviously, then you're saying he can not hit the ball far. Um, yeah, I know the Bryson DeChambeau things, and he's saying that the the rules are kind of turning to help and favor the long guys and us guys that don't hit it very far. Like we're we don't have an advantage. He was really crying about this. He was whining. And it, and it, to me, it altered his golf game. Like he, he let it affect him. And, and right. he's a great golfer. There's no question about it. Um, and then we see him in this situation and, and to allow himself to get distracted by crying about something that is completely irrelevant. Everybody's playing under some circumstances. And the reality is, is he can actually bomb the ball. Um, he shows off how good he is, but okay, so we're, we're, we're two off the lead. He's, Potentially going to be in the final pairing, depending on what did will finish. Um, can I trust him when I know that this is a thought that comes out of his mouth, when I know that he speaks like this, when I know that he has questioned uh, the game of golf, the PGA Tour, favoritism, what about me, what about me? Like, this is what I heard when I heard him say this. Now, this is not, I'm not don't quote me, I'm not quoting Matthew Fitzpatrick at all, but that's like, that's what I took out of the conversation. Like, this kid's just crying about, he just being a baby. Not fair, but that's what I heard. And now I see this kid knowing his, his ability. It could be long enough, ready to where he got it out of his system. And now he's going, look at all these guys that are, are winning. Look how good all these guys are. Like, it could be one of those things. And and now maybe Matthew breaks through and wins this. And and we see him doing what Cam Smith is doing. And we see him doing what what is doing. Right? Because he has that ability. But I can't get that. Fitzpatrick out of my head enough to to where I can trust him yet do I like for me personally is one of those things Brady where I wait for him to win or should I have faith in your opinion in this kid to 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 do well in tournaments?
3: I think that's a great question. Uh, you, you're not necessarily just handicapping the analytics and the stats right. that are out there, but you wonder about his demeanor and his yeah. mental state. Yeah. And obviously, you know, we know the, the mental aspect of golf is a massive part of winning and losing. And and I think you bring up a good point there. If he still has, you know, some, some woe was me type thoughts and, you know, everybody's longer on tour than me, you know, maybe that will get into his head a little bit. but. Apparently not the case here this week, and I don't know what he's done to add length off the tee, and and it's not, you know, an egregious Mm -hmm. amount, but he is up there banging it with the big boys this week, so hats off to him, and maybe he just kind of accepted it and said, you know what? If I'm going to compete, i got to go out and add some length to my, my driver off the tee. Maybe he's sac- uh, sacrificed a little bit of accuracy in trying to hit the ball further, but at this course, accuracy is not really paramount. These well, fairways are very wide, so let me, let me he give may you just two be stats. unleashing that driver a little more yeah. so than he normally would. I was going to say, let me
1: give you two stats, and you can answer the question for us, your own question. Driving distance this tournament, 337.8 yards, driving accuracy, 64.3
3: That's still pretty darn good. It's pretty dang good. Yeah, I mean, he's not only driving it long, but he's hitting it pretty straight, too. On this course, a lot of trees. By the way, uh, Mito Pereira rolls in a birdie on the 18th hole from, uh, I want to say, 20-plus feet. So he shoots a one-under par 69 for the day, and he he now has a three-shot advantage Over Will Zalatoris and Matthew Fitzpatrick, who are both at six under par for the championship, Mito Pereira will go overnight into the favoritism role. He is currently plus one fifty here at BetMGM. Matthew Fitzpatrick at plus three fifty, and then Will Zalatoris at four to one to be uh, to be your. One hundred and fourth edition of the PGA Championship winner of the Wanamaker Trophy, Pereira at nine under. I mentioned Fitzpatrick and Zalatoris at six (laughs) under. Cameron Young lingering there. He was he was anywhere. I mean, he was as high as like one hundred and seventy-five to one to win this. Now he was bet quite a bit. Yes, sir. We had Jeff Davis on on our Long Shots podcast. Jeff Davis, the golf odds maker, right here at Circa Sports, and he said they got pounded with Cameron Young money. So he's probably not a guy that Circa wants to see. He win After
1: day one? After win? No, Three? no, no. Prior to the Three tournament flopped.
3: starting, he got all the way down to like 80 or even 60 to 1 wow, good for him. on Cameron Young. So a lot of attention got, uh, being paid to that. They got a couple guys
1: like man. that, right? They got a couple guys there. Oh, I'm they sure they have some win.
3: liability. Yeah. And, and it's probably, I mean, they'd probably love to see Mito Pereira win. I, I don't know how I, much action I, they have. I think have that on would him. be
1: so neat to see Mito Pereira win. So, okay, so let's, who do you got,
3: right? I've we, got Willie Z. I've no, got a pre tournament on Zala Um
1: Three days in. Starting yeah. tomorrow, Sunday, major. We got a cool leaderboard. What do you think, man? What's it going to take? Who do you think has the favor? Is Can somebody like Seamus Power at three under, as Stuart Sink and Bubba and JT, all these guys at two under, do they have a chance with the leader at, at eight under right now? Like, What do you, given your experience, given this year, what we've seen from a lot of these golfers, Sam Burns is up there too, top 10. He's been amazing. Gary Woodland, who we haven't talked about top 10 right now. What's going to get it done in your opinion?
3: Well, I think uh, probably the guys as low as one under par even have a shot. And, okay. and they're obviously going to have to be very aggressive and go out and plan on trying to shoot a 64 or a 65 or something like that, and hoping that maybe God, the wind kicks up for the that puts them in a good spot. The final few pairings or something like that. But I do have also pre-tournament bets on Chris Kirk and Gary oh, Woodland. Uh, Chris Kirk, I got at 350 to one. Uh, just a, a wild long shot uh, that I took with him, and he's at one under par for <laughs> That's the a championship. Great bet by you, buddy. Gary Woodland, I got at 105 to one. And, and he was even as high as like 180 to one. So those guys are both looking pretty good. What
1: about what about? And I cut you right there. What about at even par, Xander Shoffley? After what he did, was it last week? After yeah. like he made the
3: cut on the obviously number Brady, a tr- obviously a tremendously more easy golf course last week. But the confidence of what it did in striping the ball, and that's well, why I bet he... him coming in. I well, thought he, I bet him pre tournament. Uh, I want to say I got thirty to one on Xander um, because I felt he was a little bit under the radar for this golf major. Well,
1: what did he do after day one? Wasn't it something like like thirty four birdies and forty two holes? I mean, it was something. Some just stat that just makes sense. He did no sense. pretty
3: well in the first round. I want to say he was in the neighborhood of two or three under par, and, and he hasn't really done much since. No,
1: I meant like last tournament where he made the cut on the oh, number. Yeah. The winner was twenty six. And on then he went nuts the next three days. Yeah, it was just one yeah. of the most impressive three day stretches of all time.
3: Absolutely. And uh, now it looks like he might uh, notch another top ten finish here. But again, <laughs> so goes without another major champion. Is it this trophy? easy,
1: Brady? These guys make it look so. They don't miss inside ten feet. I don't make inside 10 feet, by the way. They don't miss inside 10 feet, buddy.
3: We'll uh, we'll talk yeah. more about the uh, PGA Championship when we come back and throughout the program here. I, I think as low as one under par might have a shot okay. because because I think basically the lead right now is six under par. Now, meat is yes, beyond sir. that at nine, but the, the meat of that leaderboard is at six under par right now or less. So I, I think uh, that's probably where you're – Competition on Sunday. That's the target you need to make. Try and get it to six, seven, eight under par, and you should have a shot. We'll be with more. We'll be back with more in just a moment. Stick it here on the Veasan Bet Center.
1: This is Bet Center on Veasan, the sports betting network.
3: Welcome back into the V Sin Bet Center. Brady Cannon and Josh Towers with you, and it's time to talk a little puck. And nobody better to bring in than Ken Danico joins us now, a former New Jersey devil, a three-time Stanley Cup champion. He is now a broadcaster with MSG and also the NHL network. You can follow him on Twitter at Ken Danico. MSG. Ken, it's a real pleasure to talk to you, and just one of the most exciting times of the year, certainly not only for hockey fans, but all the sports fans, the Stanley Cup playoffs and my partner here, Josh Towers, is a former Major League Baseball pitcher, and I was talking to him about postseason hockey, and I said, Josh, a couple of my very favorite sports of all are postseason baseball and postseason hockey, and I think both of them, and maybe even more exaggerated in the case of hockey, Ken, tell me why it is. It seems like the regular season hockey, regular season baseball, what have you, versus the playoffs, it's almost a different sport. It's absolutely a different level of, in, of, uh, level of intensity.
6: Uh, No doubt about that. And I'm a big baseball fan as well. And obviously the playoffs is the best time of year. And maybe I'm a little biased. Uh, uh, Nothing like hockey come playoff time because expect the unexpected. Uh, The regular season is the regular season. It's hard to get in the playoffs because of the competitive balance in the league. But uh, when you play a seven-game series, you can't play the same way. And certain teams are built for the playoffs because they can set game plans and uh, adjust during series to beat a team that might be more talented might be more skilled. And yeah, you seem to need a little more size come playoffs, even though the game has changed and evolved since my day, where it was a little nastier and a little, uh, a little more fighting and things along those uh, lines. But having said that the players now, everybody steps out of their comfort zone. The good teams do anyway, the teams that are going to advance and they block shots a little bit more if they don't do it in the regular season. And they, Uh, finish their checks, all those kinds of things. And yeah, goaltending, goaltending, goaltending. It is so important. Come playoff time, and if you get a hot goalie or you already have one like the Tampa Bay Lightning, best goalie in the world, Vasilevsky, they just continue to find ways, even if they're not the better team on that particular night.
3: Yeah, Vasco has been absolutely amazing for the Tampa Bay Lightning, who have a two-games-to-none lead in that series over the Florida Panthers. Let's talk about tonight's matchup, the Colorado Avalanche at the St. Louis Blues for Game 3 of that series. And the Avalanche, a heavy favorite here in Las Vegas, Ken, minus 170. On the road, on the money line, your total, and we've seen so many of these totals go over. A lot of scoring <laughs> in the playoffs this year This year on the ice. Six and a half is the number for your total. But you and I were talking off air before you came on about maybe an all-time level of parity in the NHL. Does it make sense for you from a betting perspective to take the plus 150 or so with the St. Louis Blues who are on home ice? And, and if all things are fairly equal here, did maybe you think Colorado should not be this big of a favorite?
6: Well, I always look at uh, the last game, obviously, and it. Everybody thinks momentum is a big part of it, but game to game, that's what's intriguing about hockey. A lot of times, it's not because the team adjusts that just lost, and and they want to. Uh, you know, obviously, the importance of a game three for Colorado Avalanche. Now, look, I look at the St. Louis Blues and and. They are a team that more than any team left in the playoffs and throughout these playoffs, they have a belief system. They have a belief. They don't care if everybody tells them Colorado's better. And on paper, Colorado probably is. They're probably a, they're, they're a, real, a real good team. We know that and dynamic and can score, but St. Louis is big, heavy and all their skill guys. They don't have maybe the star power, but they have six, eight guys with Peron and O'Reilly and you can go on down the list and Butchnevich, they're all big. Uh, big, heavy guys that can make plays in tight spaces, win puck battles. That's even more imperative come playoff time. And they have that belief. And now Jordan Bennington, who had a very subpar up and down year, got it going at the end, has seemed to found that magic again. So, yeah, uh, if you're looking at it from that standpoint, you're going to jump all over St. Louis. Why not? <laughs> you're getting odds. But having said that, from my perspective, there's a reason they still think Colorado is the better team tonight, and I, I'm very curious for this one. Boy, it's tough for me anytime to pick these because we do it on NHL Network every once in a while. Who's going to win on a particular night? And I'm telling you, it's hard. It's, it's oh, so there's hard. no doubt about it. Uh, if it was easy,
3: they wouldn't have these big casinos like we're in here today. But,
6: uh. <laughs> no question. But I, yeah, but but obviously St. Louis at home dominating performance in game two in Colorado. You'd think that way. I just have a feeling Colorado may have a little response. Are they ready to take that next step? I don't know yet. And experience means something, Uh, but they've been knocking on the door the last few years. This is a must game for them. I really look at it that way Uh, with a one, one series. If they're going to force uh, St. Louis, you know, with their speed and their skill and, and, and really get things going because they know Uh, It's Stanley Cup or bus for Colorado. That's Mm -hmm. the team that they have built, but doesn't mean it's going to happen. And St. Louis, again, that's why I'm hedging, because they're a team more than any team for me. I watch it because I experienced it, and I played on teams like that that won Cups that weren't maybe the favorite, and you have a belief. You have a belief in your room, and St. Louis don't care about any of the noise outside or what people say, or that team's better. They believe in their team.
3: Yeah, if you look at experience, you mentioned Jordan Bennington. Of course, he has the experience of a Stanley Cup title. And then the experience for Colorado is they're used to, you know, having great regular seasons and then folding in the playoffs. I'd be looking, taking the St. Louis side tonight, game one on their home ice, game three of the series. Ken Danico is our, jo- is our guest, the voice for hockey on the MSG and NHL networks. You can follow him on Twitter at Ken Danico. MSG, of course, a three-time Stanley Cup champion with the New Jersey Devils during that time when Martin Brodeur was the man of the hour on the ice. I want to talk about another series, Ken. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes and the New York Rangers. Carolina out to a two games to none lead in this series and the series will shift back to New York on Sunday and the New York Rangers are actually an underdog like the St. Louis Blues a much smaller underdog on their home ice. But I tell you what Carolina has really impressed me. I don't don't know if I'm going to bet on them here as a road favorite, but I think this team looks really sharp and I think eventually they are going to get through this series and get past New York.
6: Yeah, I, I liken the Carolina Hurricanes to the avalanche from the standpoint, they've been knocking on the door. They continue to add year after year. They, they haven't been able to get past the second round, but lately, but they, they believe and, and they, if their goaltending holds out, I think Ron has been better than anybody expected. And that's good news for the Canes uh, with Freddie Anderson, their number one goalie out who had a terrific year and probably would have been in the Vezina trophy conversation. Having said that, Ronta has done the job, and, and we talk about timely saves, and he has made some big timely saves. The Rangers, from their point of view, they're looking at this like, I can't believe we're down 2-0. They played pretty darn well. Yeah, you got to score goals, but they've been unable to do that. Carolina has been the stingiest team all season long. The Rangers were right there with them, and that's why we're seeing a low-scoring series. So how about under? But Maybe we'll have an ex- offensive <laughs> explosion. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 that's kind of been the trend here, right? Uh, Both teams play it close to the vest. The Rangers' big guns have to bury some opportunities. They missed too many opportunities, and that's why they're down two. But it's been tightly contested games in Carolina.
3: Yeah, the total for that game is just five and a half. I want to shift to the final game on Sunday, and that is the Calgary Flames against the Edmonton Oilers. The total in that game is all the way to seven, which is interesting when you (laughs) consider a team like the Calgary Flames and that series they played with the Dallas Stars. They could barely muster a goal out of either of those teams, very defensively oriented, with good goaltending, both the Dallas Stars and Calgary Flames. And I think this series has become very interesting. Calgary got out to a 1-0 lead, and then Edmonton Edmonton wins game two. You can argue that they have the very best player in the world in Connor McDavid, but Calgary with their new coach, Derek Suter, uh, Daryl Suter, when he came on board, they have really changed the face of the franchise. And I actually have a bet on the Calgary Flames to win the conference, but I'm a little nervous right now. Can this Edmonton team look pretty good in game two?
6: They did coming back from a two goal deficit as well uh, in Calgary, especially with the coach you mentioned, Daryl Sutter, he, He's won. He knows what it takes with Los Angeles Kings one twice. I love him. I think Daryl Sutter is just a combination of old school, new school. He gets it. He adjusts. Having said that, Edmonton does have the best player in the world. And I will tell you, Connor McDavid is doing things differently than the previous years. Yeah. He's always going to win scoring titles. And yes, he needs uh, secondary scoring and support. And he's getting a little more of that now. But he's on a mission. You can see it. And he's doing the little things I talk about as far as a superstar and not just putting up a tremendous amount of points. He's blocking shots. He's leading Edmonton in a couple of games in hits, which that's not kind of good. That's stepping outside of his comfort zone understanding i got to do whatever it takes to lead my team and and it resonates with their team this has been the most fun series for me in the second round thus far yeah because of some goals scored and everything else the goaltending at times hasn't been great markstrom has got to tighten up because he was terrific against dallas and against dallas i mean let's face it the reason there was so few goals scored because jake ottinger had a playoff series for the ages considering even considering that he lost that series it was it was quite unbelievable the the margin of, of opportunities for the Calgary Flames was much higher than certainly Dallas. But uh, great series, going to be fun. That one's really tough for me to pick, too, because of McDavid. Calgary's a hungry, hungry team right now. Uh, they're big, they're strong. So best series thus far for me.
3: Ken, I wish I could talk to you for another hour about playoff hockey, but I've got to get out of here. Thanks so much, my friend. We'll be right back yeah. with more right here on v
5: Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's ang dot or download the app today.
1: This is Beth Center on vSEN, the sports betting network.
3: Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vsin.com to check the current betting splits data. The betting splits page will show you where the money and the bets are moving for every game, and it's now updated every 10 minutes, so you can see the changes in all the action. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but also future events as well. Betting splits are another way that vsin is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game At VSIN.com. Brady Cannon and Josh Towers with you here inside the VSIN Bet Center. Want to take a look at the scoreboard in Major League Baseball. And we were talking about uh, the Dodgers and the Phillies game before they went to first pitch earlier today. And we thought there might be a good opportunity for in-game wagering, but I don't know if that's the case here uh, as the Phillies have now broken out to a 4-1 to lead. Kyle Schwarber with a home run in the fourth inning to tack on to that Philadelphia advantage. 4-1 to over the Dodgers in the top of the fifth inning now. And Josh... I talked about you know you get a Dodgers team when maybe they're down by a run or two, uh, maybe it's the third inning, the fourth inning. We're now in the fifth inning, but the deficit is such a three-run deficit where I don't know if I want to get involved and take a shot here with the Dodgers, even at a juicy price, like plus 575 now to come back and win this game.
1: <laughs> so three runs in the Dodgers at, uh, it's not really that much, obviously in 575. Um, that's very exciting. That's like kind of got I, I
3: got you. I piqued your interest, didn't you, I? Let me tell you why. Um
1: again, I told you I feel like the, the Phillies have made the necessary adjustments to where they didn't do it before. Pitching, bullpen guy, Brad Hand, uh Corey Knebel, who was with the Dodgers. Uh there was one other guy, I'm trying to think of who was. They added three relievers, very, very important for the long-term success of this team, playing 162 games um and needing to know how to Finish what you started. Not just the game, but the season. And they hadn't had that before. They hadn't had it in a while. Um, so, with that said, I don't know if I want to bet against the Dodgers. I'm sorry, the Phillies. On the flip side, it's three runs. The Dodgers always have, like, they always seem to put up a five spot or a six spot, right? They don't go mm-hmm. one, 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 right. one. They always right. have this big inning out of nowhere and kind of rattle you a little bit. Might be worth a shot, but it just feels so, like Philly's been in control of this game. They have. And... and, and you, buddy, what's the pitch count on uh, Aaron Nola? 75 pitches. So he's not he doesn't have that much time. So if the Dodgers can see some, some at-bats, see some counts, he's going to be out by six, maybe seven, best case for him. Let's say six, okay? Um, we're going to get the same bullpen that I just talked about, who has had success for the Phillies. But Corey blew a game in L.A. Again, he played for this team last year. And he closed uh, for the Phillies, and he blew the game in L.A. Probably a cool moment. He's facing his old teammates, maybe, I wouldn't say nerves, but excitement, and I want to shut this down. It didn't work. So if Corey comes back in today, is it in a winning game? Is it the Corey who didn't come through? Or is it, all right, I got that out of my system, right? It's still the Phillies. We still haven't seen a lot. We know the Dodgers can come back at 575. I'm probably off the board now. But at 575, only three in the fifth, I, I like the Dodgers a lot. because of the price
3: two down and the dodgers did just get a base hit there so they've got a runner on first base and your in-game price has come down to five to one plus 500 now on the dodgers to come back this is kind of the crux inning here for me to see what happens you mentioned the pitch count on nola he's probably not going to be around too much longer i mean that's Uh,
1: that's, again that's easy two winnings as long as he's in the 13 range right yeah, Easy.
3: yeah, he, he's definitely got an inning left, maybe two. Uh, so, you know, I, I probably wouldn't want to get involved going against Nola here. But if the Dodgers are able to muster a little something <laughs> over the next inning and a half or so, Maybe we think about getting involved. The Atlanta Braves are out to a 1-0 lead over the Miami Marlins, top of the sixth inning there, very low-scoring affair in Miami. The St. Louis Cardinals leading the Pirates 5-2, a high-scoring affair here just in the fourth inning at PNC Park. And the Cardinals already out in front in the top of the fourth, Five to two over the Buccos. The Tampa Bay Rays leading the Baltimore Orioles two to nothing. I know your son's not going to be happy with that. Tampa Bay now minus four hundred on the money line. Here's an interesting price for you, Josh. We're we're just in the third inning, and I know Baltimore. You know they've got a lot of talent, but uh, they're still in the cellar. There just uh, a lot coming. Just ahead of the, <laughs> the Boston Red Sox, I guess in the American League East, but um, I, I just don't know if they have enough firepower where I would want to jump on them here. I know it's only That's a two-run deficit, but they are almost three to one to come back and win this game. The t- Houston t- Astros. Go t- ahead.
1: Tampa's the way they play the game. It's, it's going to be very difficult for the Orioles. Compared. Right. The way they play, the velocity and how they go about their business, and all the guys they use. It, it, it's
3: tough for the Orioles in this situation. The Houston Astros out to a one to nothing lead over the Texas Rangers. The bottom of the second inning there in Arlington. The Minnesota Twins mm. already up on the Royals two to nothing there in the top of the third inning. And the Milwaukee Brewers. You talk about the lack of run support for Brandon Woodruff. Talk to already me. two to nothing now in the top of the third inning at Miller Park. And the Milwaukee like, Brewers went off as about minus two thirty-five favorites. Now in game with a two-run lead, they are minus seven hundred over the Washington Patrick Nationals Corbin, and Patrick Corbin. Man. Yeah, I feel I bad. We Bro, said let's... we couldn't go that we down that road. We could only go Brewers. And and like I said, I don't like yeah. to bet on the runs line. I, you know, in in a sport like baseball where you're just trying to pick a winner, that's hard enough. I don't yes, want to sir. necessarily try and add a point spread into the equation as well. It's
1: it's so, uh, and again, like, I've been down that road, Birdie. I, I I went 0-12 one year with a 7-7. It is, like, you have an inning where you go scoreless. You have a second inning where you scoreless. You start to get where you feel like, oh, maybe it is, and then all of a sudden it's a boom. And it's it's so hard to reset midseason when you're struggling the way Patrick is is struggling, man. So uh, we, we had uh, Matt Harvey. Um, it was a complete bet against the last couple of years, right? And, yeah, and then yeah. so Patrick is, is now Robbie Ray. Ironically, a few years back when uh, with Arizona, he was a bet on every time because we were getting like plus money. And, and it, like delivered. Luis
3: Castillo with the Reds yes. for the past couple mm-hmm. of years. No no doubt about it. And
1: that's where Corbin falls into right now, is he's a 100% bet against. And so you have to, uh, and it, it's sad to say, but you have to decide where, what, what, what's your number, right? I'm mm-hmm. not, I can't lay 250s it's a losing endeavor long term well
3: right? Right. No, no, no. Long term, sure. Mm-hmm. But I thought today with Woodruff on the hill. was a good match. Good. I didn't think that that was too expensive. Okay. Considering no, I the agree. opponent.
1: Because when you first said it and knowing the run support and everything for Woodruff, it was a no. And then you said, oh, Corbin's pitching on the other side. Yeah. That, that does alter it. <laughs> I mean, it really does.
3: Absolutely. Uh, the New York Mets and the Colorado Rockies coming up in about 45 minutes. We will preview that game before they go to first pitch as well. Also, the Oakland A's down in L.A taken on the Los Angeles Angels. By the way, some breaking news here, Mr. Towers. Yes, sir. Tiger Woods has withdrawn from the PGA Championship. Now, he shot 79 today. He was in contention for dead last of all the players that did make it to the weekend. Uh, Obviously, a brutal round for him today. uh, But I imagine the wear and tear is catching up to him uh, on those injured legs. And, you know, that was the storyline when he came to Augusta National he made the cut, yeah. but was he going to be able to walk on that hilly terrain for four days? And uh, he, he did it miraculously. And, and I thought it was something that he made the cut. He made the cut again here, his second major championship, and making it to the weekend. But that's the question I think with Tiger right now: the the, the health. It's not necessarily the golf game, no, but can fine. he? But can he hold up physically? And apparently, not so the case here in Tulsa, Oklahoma.
1: They did show. Um... The course a lot pre flop and it looked challenging. Mm-hmm. And again, when you're out of it, Tiger's about winning. And when you're out of it, is it is it worth the risk? Tiger wouldn't never quit just because he's not no, playing well, no. right? He uh,
3: he's like, got to be in some pretty serious pain.
1: One hundred. This yeah, he, like there's credibility when it comes to this kid. And uh the other thing is is it, I think what it tells us is Tiger Woods wants to continue to play golf on a regular basis as much as he can. And so he doesn't want to risk um, missing anything, just for the sake of I'm in I'm I'm in pain and, and and what's what's worth it, right? I mean, I I thought he listen, he was 100 I think yesterday.
3: Yeah, yeah, he shot one under on Friday, and I'm just looking at the board here now. Uh, He finishes the championship at 12 over par, which actually is tied for last, 76th place. He's tied there with Sepp Straka, Maverick McNeely, and Patton Kazire, Uh, but he did shoot 69 on Friday and then backed it up with 79 today.
1: Did you, I thought, uh, and tell me what you think, I thought he did a very good job of not showing... Any um any emotion not showing the best of his ability that he was in pain. Mm-hmm. He didn't. He wasn't like frustrated or like uh, milking it or anything like that. I thought he did a good job of, of yeah. giving us his best effort.
3: Uh, absolutely, and, and it's been incredibly impressive. Not only this major championship, but the last time we saw Tiger as well mm, at Augusta yep. National, and, and I kind of nailed that one. I thought him mi- um, making the cut was a good bet at like plus one twenty five because he knows He's that never course not, right. He's, he's Well, he knows that course so well, yeah. right? And if, and if he can walk for a couple of days, he only has to do it for 36 holes and play yeah. pretty well, he can make the cut. Now, I also felt that after that, the wear and tear on his body would <clears throat> catch up to him. Uh, Augusta National, extremely hilly golf course, and that is, yes, a, is. indeed the case what happened. And, and it looks like... Maybe the same thing has happened here at Southern Hills, not as extreme as far as the hills of Augusta National, but certainly uh, maybe even a tougher test of golf in many ways for what Tiger is known for as far as, you know, how well he knows Augusta National and how he knows to get around that place. Not necessarily the case here with Southern Hills, a very different course than where he won at in 2007 since it has been remodeled hey, we'll come th- back
1: two things Dodgers scored okay. uh, that
3: line's gone and two one and that's got on the board as well well we've maybe got an in-game opportunity
1: here
0: some. on the other side yeah. all right buddy Zumo Play.